what's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the Bombcast. I'm your host, Steve Lester, and with me, as always, is Mr. Kevin McElroy. We are owners of Bombers and Sleeves, a clothing and lifestyle brand dedicated to the war on self-doubt, where we encourage you to bomb your boundaries and chase after your dreams. Today, we are welcoming back a great friend of the show, staff songwriter, and now new general manager of Demolition Music Publishing right here in Nashville. That's right, we got Mr. Mike August, y'all, so let's go and get into the show. Mr. McElroy, how we doing, man? Dude, great as always, and even better to be down here. Yes. Back on the mic, biting this shit, and uh, getting into it with you, man. Back in. We're back in the dungeon. We're back in the warehouse, because we're we're practicing safely our social distancing, but uh, you know, it feels good, and and like, uh, I think like our podcast, previous podcast you know this is kind of the gentleman's club we kind of like it it's spacious it's uh, a little industrial and uh yeah it just it feels good it smells great it does smell great we got the essential oils going we got all the product in the background to keep us inspired remind us what we're about that's and, it uh, man feels that, good man. that's exactly it so let me ask you this man what's going on how's pandemic life for you man it's starting to get to me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I'm. I'm about at the wits' end, man. Things can. Uh, things can change uh, as fast as possible. <laughs> I hope for. And man, it was. It was fine to start out with. We kind of assimilated and like got in. I'm talking about my family. Like kind of got into a groove. Now, two months into it, man. Like we're we're definitely feeling the claustrophobia. We're out of things to do with the kids. We are. You know. You can only do. A nine million art projects you can only do the abcs and count to three you know my oldest daughter's three so totally you can only do the abcs and count to 10 so many times you can only watch every fucking kids show on netflix so many times so you know and you can tell she's missing school man she had a great um experience at preschool going before this all hit and she was in youth soccer and like super stoked on that so you can tell like a, a part of her is like missing that and i just like you know that just compounds i'm like shit man i'm like now my kid's missing out on her life, which, you know, forget about me, man. It's like, let's get, I don't know, man. No, so totally. it's, uh, you know, it's been, it's been good and bad. I've learned a lot. I've read a lot. I've had a lot of time to think, but I also, you know, just, just feel bad for people that are missing out on stuff. And, you know, and even though, you know, everyone's trying to say safe and everything, it seems like, uh, there's a lot more measures that could be taken to move this along a little bit quicker. And so it's a bit frustrating, but yeah. Yeah, man. No, I totally feel. I, I think I've had just about enough. But let me yeah. ask you this: what, what? What? I don't have kids, but what? What's the popular kid TV show right now? What? What's the? What? What's everyone watching? Well, it it depends on the age range. For her, you know, in the three year old range, there's a there's a show called Spirit on Netflix, which is like takes place in the a uh, western town in like uh, cowboys cowboy days. Okay, yeah, old, so, old spaghetti yeah, western. Yeah. Old, yeah. But is. like, they all have like modern kind of elements to them anyway they just all ride horses in their like western like pre-modern town and she loves that she's just obsessed with horses man so anything with horses that's what she's into uh the majority of people i'm not i'm not sure necessarily i just know what she's into i've heard of spirit i think she has some spirit like toys around the house yeah 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 tons of it that's awesome man well you know i'll tell you what guys i think that uh the new uh street drug that's really popular right now is called normalcy and and i I actually (laughs) got a a dose of this i actually got a dose of this last week because i'm right there with you i've had enough so wife and i we went to zany's comedy club we got to go see one of my favorite comedians adam carolla he did a live podcast i love his show he's fantastic 
I had a lot of great guests. It was funny. Um, and the way that Zania was set up was, you know, it's very safe, obviously. If you've been to a comedy club, you're usually sitting on top of people. Mm-hmm. Well, let's remove 50% of those chairs. It's nice. If you love comedy, right now is the time to go to a comedy club because you and your date actually have your own table. You can order food without eating your nachos on your lap. Like you know I never I mean? even thought about that. I bet that was really nice. Dude. Awesome. Awesome. So. And, and it felt like just you know a date night at a, you know, at a restaurant because you have your own personal space. And uh, we laughed. We cried. And we did everything, man. But it was awesome. So that was my first kind of taste of getting back out into the world uh, and getting that little bit of normalcy, that drug that I think everyone is craving right now. And it tasted good. That's awesome, dude. I know. When you said you were doing that, I was like, fuck, I'm jealous, man. It's got to feel nice just to get out there. What was the vibe like, man? Was everyone kind of like, is this okay? Are we okay? Like, are we having fun? Or was everyone yeah. like just super stoked to be out? I think everybody was super stoked. And nice. and you don't go to a comedy show to be freaked out. I think everybody that, that went, um, it was sold out. But saying it was sold out was, was you know, 50% of, he did three shows that night. Oh, wow. Because you have to to make up for everyone that's not going to be there. Um, the vibe was great. You know, your server came over with the mask. Uh, your bartenders had masks. Everybody was, you know, they had the gloves and everything. By the way, the food at a comedy club, you look at it at the menu, it sounds like dog shit. It's amazing. Chicken <laughs> fingers, french fries. Oh, it never fails. Done and, comedy club style, though? Come on. Oh, done comedy club style. Oh, yeah, it, it was awesome. So, no, it, it was great. The vibe was good, and I'm glad that, um, I'm glad that, you know, people are getting back out into their just, you know, they're getting a little bit of that normalcy. Um, there was something said, though, too. I don't know about Kid Rocks the other day. Did you read about this thing? Uh, I just read how they basically said, fuck the rules and just let everyone in like it was a normal Saturday. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that's the way to go about the the pandemic i don't i i get we all want to get out there but let's all try to be safe i don't know about packing everyone in shoulder to shoulder coughing on each other i don't think that's the way to do it yeah that's a bit bold and i get that uh steve smith is mr like you know whatever the fuck constitutional amendment protector but like come on bro like there comes a time when flexing uh meets like complete and utter uh disrespect and it's just kind of fucked up, man. Like, we're all in this together, dude. You're not above us. Let's just try to fucking yeah. be a little bit smarter and a little more responsible, maybe. I get that, like, all your bartenders are out of work. I get that you have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Sorry, so, guys. We're, we're just getting a picture live in from this. I wish you could see this, but it just looks like it is a packed-in One Direction concert, and it's a bunch of screaming 13-year-olds. Wow, that, nope, that's not safe at all. Take a look at that, buddy. Yeah, I saw that. It's that crazy. That is ridiculous, they, yeah. They did get fined, Jesus. but it's like, man, I don't, I don't know. I know all your bartenders got to make money. I know... Well, I dude, I doubt that bar is at risk or any of those owners are at risk of going right. bankrupt. But still, man, I dude, we're all upset. We're all pissed off. We all just want to go out and get things back to normal. But there is a process to it. And, you know, the slower things are from people that just have blatant disrespect for the policies in place. Like, yeah. It's just going to slow everyone down, man. We you're can't slow have a fucking down. second you, wave. Can you imagine gonna, a fucking second wave right now? No, no, no. Get the you're fuck gonna, out of if here. If you ruin my motherfucking summer, you assholes, because I have been dying and just like probably 90% of the people that are 
uh, obeying the rules are dying to go to a fucking beach. We're just, we, we want to get away. We just, don't ruin it for us. I can't do another, I can't do another six months in this house, man. Seriously, and whether you like it or not, I don't know if you've noticed by now, but the media can make up whatever the fuck they want. If you get, if they get pissed for blatant disrespect of rules, they can just say, eh, we're going back to phase one, fuck you guys. Yep. And what are you going to do? You're going to dig up evidence to prove it wrong? They don't give a shit. Like, we're in a chokehold, not to get like super fucking, you know, on the soapbox about it, but like... Just do <laughs> do what it is right now and mitigate the chances of us going through a second wave because it's not going to be good. I agree. Yeah, so People I agree. stop being stupid. Now, we have an awesome show today. We've got a guest in here who we have not, oh my God, we have not seen this guy in a long time. I said in the intro, great friend to the company, also just a great personal friend. But before we get into our guest, I'm going to give the floor to Kev here in just a second. We're going to jump into a little bit of news, okay? So he's going to give you a little bit of the latest and greatest of what's going on in Bomber's culture. So, brother, what do we got? What are we excited about right now? Yeah, so welcome in, guys. I got a little upset right there. Let's all bring it in. Okay, Let's hug it. chill. Let's say what's up. Chill. Welcome in. We love you. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Let's spread some positivity. Love that. There's a lot of heavy shit going on right now. Murder of George Floyd, completely fucked up. Terrible. We can all agree on that, right? Lots of things going around. Lots of different ideas on solutions or just complete deconstructions of systems. I get it. I'm seeing it. I'm remaining open, I'm learning, I'm listening, doing all that stuff. But here, to stick with the facts, is the one thing that I know definitely fucking works. And that's taking immediate action on the ground, in your community, towards something positive uh, within that arena uh, to make a difference. And so with that being said, we have partnered... This has been going on before the pandemic, before George Floyd, before all this stuff. Uh, we were beginning a partnership with a local boxing gym called Music City Boxing. Great place, down and dirty, rocky style boxing gym. Uh, it's not like a group fitness place, like a title boxing or something like this. This is a place uh, that looks not unlike the the basement that we're sitting in right now with heavy bags and a big uh, Olympic size ring in the middle of it, Olympic size boxing ring, one of the only ones uh, in the region, only boxing gyms in the region to have that, um, and is frequented by boxing champions, uh, namely Caleb uh, Sweethands, who uh, fought at Bridgestone not too long ago and had a, a great victory there. So, uh, this is the type of gym you want to go to if you want to be a professional boxer, and they also have group fitness classes there. Now, um, they. We're kind of struggling pre-pandemic. Uh, they took over the lease of the gym from a guy who uh, was a fantastic boxing trainer, but not necessarily a great businessman. Uh, a lot, a lot, of, let a lot of things slide, and uh, these current owners walked into a bit of a you know tax and uh, all sorts of bill pile-up nightmares, and have done their best to kind of turn the gym around and make it a successful business. Now, prior to the pandemic, they were having a bit of an issue with this because their current members were used to the prior owner just kind of cutting them slack. Like, hey, you've been here. You don't got to really pay your dues. Pay them when you want to pay them and all that stuff. So new ownership comes in and, you know, obviously that stuff isn't going to work. That doesn't pay bills. So there was a lot of pushback from current members and things like that pre-pandemic uh, that they kind of, you know, just kind of had to live with. Pandemic hits. They're shut down. 
Gyms are considered a non-essential business, which is very odd, considering you can't work out and take care of yourself, but you can sure shit buy alcohol. That's fucking odd, right? find that kind of weird. Uh, But anyway, so they're shut down for months and they need help. Uh, And so they reach out to me uh, and say that they need help designing a new shirt to help them pay some bills. This is a big opportunity right here because not only do I love that, but this is also an opportunity to for them to completely rebrand, raise some money for them to stay afloat during this pandemic. And uh, as I'll get to this point in the story in just a second, completely reopen under uh, a fresh start that has proven to be awesome for them. So, uh, so design the shirt. They love it. Order just a quick hundred of them. Sells out literally instantly. Every one of the Boom. members loves it, man. It's a fresh take on it. Uh, they they love the kind of the grittiness to it that matches the kind of vibe of the boxing gym. Everyone is stoked, man. All four of the owners are jazzed. All the new members are jazzed. They make enough money just in that first run to cover their bills that they were behind on in the in the shutdown. So they're open up now. And everyone is just like super stoked, man. Uh, we're following on Instagram. They're sharing pictures every day of whole families wearing this shirt, which is crazy, dude. Just yeah, I saw that, man. That's yeah, sick. Yeah. Isn't That's that sick? Yeah, it feels good, man. Yeah. It feels good to have our name tied with with helping out, right? And so here comes the coolest thing about them that ties into the George Floyd uh, thing and how, you know, we're kind of taking it upon us to, to do what we can locally to, to help out here. And like I said, the, this initiative was in place prior to George Floyd. It's just something that they care about, but it's even more poignant now, given uh, the climate that we're in um, with with tensions being what they are. So here's what it is. Uh, there is a local police officer that has partnered with music city boxing that patrols kind of the rougher parts of of Nashville, the more inner city area. And when he gets a call about teenagers loitering or just causing mischief and getting into general trouble, you know, they're not committing robberies or anything crazy, but they're definitely like heading towards heading towards a rough path. He will pick them up, offer them a ride home, but more importantly, he'll say, Hey, what do you guys usually do after school? And usually it's to the tune of, well, we don't really have anything to do. So we just kind of go fuck around and and do whatever comes up. And so this particular police officer will go back to Music City Boxing and say, hey, I got a couple of kids here that could really benefit from your youth boxing program. And they say, yeah, what are their names? What's the story? And, uh, you know, with very little consideration, they'll just say, yeah, we got you. And they pay for a full membership, including equipment. Uh, for these at-risk youth teens um, that are of of all all colors, all races, uh, but predominantly, yes, most of them are African American by chance. Now uh, he brings them to the gym, and they get a full membership paid for, and this gives them a positive outlet. And now there's probably close to a hundred kids like that in this youth boxing program that are literally shuttled there by this police officer. He'll wait and train with them and then drop them back off safely. Now let's put that against the narrative of this. All cops are bastards, a cab shit. That's, you know, spray painted all over the place. Yes. There's issues within the police force. Yes. There's systemic racism. Yes. The police force needs to be overhauled with better education, with better protocols. I agree on all that, but like to say, that all of them are fucked up, all of them are bastards, that's just wrong, and this is proof yeah. of it right here. And so, 
that's as, that's as much as I'm going to say on it right there. That's just that's just my opinion. But um, this is a great opportunity uh, for us to get involved. And so, like I said, prior to all this, uh, I had pitched them on our six one vibe initiative. And if you're local to Nashville, you've probably heard of this by now. Six one vibe we is one of our product lines, but we have every intention of making it a nonprofit organization because the focus on it is supporting creative and economic integrity in the city of Nashville. And if you've listened to our six one vibe episode, what that means is, you know, helping keeping rent in check. So artists and creators, uh, you know, can have a decent place to live. And that, and that goes towards everyone that helps, uh, calm down gentrification. It helps, you know, people live in Nashville longer instead of just getting rooted out with insane rent prices. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously creative, uh, so we can give back to clubs like Exodin and things like that. So, uh, but initiatives like this also fall under six one vibes mission. And so what we're doing is partnering with music city boxing, probably in the next couple months to release a six one vibe shirt that has our logo on one sleeve and their new logo that was just released on the other sleeve. And all net proceeds of that shirt are going to go towards their, their youth boxing program. So we can now be a part of this initiative to help at risk youth get into a positive place because literally I, I know from personal experience and I know a lot of you guys do that physical fitness and gaining that confidence from being in that type of training environment can give you exactly what you need to steer you off of a negative path, right? Being a part of a community that is tough on you, that gives you physical exercise, that challenges you, and that holds you to a higher standard can solve a, can solve a lot of things. And so um, that's how we're acting locally to do our part to, um, you know, just, ma- just make a positive change, man. And I would encourage all of you... Um, you know, to think about how you can act locally and how you can give back um, in in these times here because it's really the only way to, to make it happen, I think. That's awesome, man. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and, and, and Kev's right, too. You know, if you're looking... Honestly, let's let's talk about boxing and just in general. I mean, it's one of the best form of physical exercise you can ever get. You become faster, you become stronger, you increase your stamina, your mental game becomes better. You also learn a protective way of uh, defense and offense. But you know, if you guys are interested in this and and are in love with what we're saying, please visit musiccityboxing.com. We love what they're doing over there. We're so glad to be a part of what they're doing over there. We can't wait to grow with them. Uh, that's musiccityboxing.com. You're part of Middle Tennessee, y'all, I'm telling you. And for all of you, too, if you're trying to, I, they're open to just kind of anybody. I mean, if you're trying mm-hmm. to burn off some of that quarantine weight and uh, get in the gear on that summer body, which I know about half of us are here in this room, uh, musiccityboxing.com. We love what they're doing. They stand for something great and we're so lucky to be a part of such a great organization yeah absolutely man so right now we're going to introduce our special guest today oh my gosh our special guest today like i said before he's a personal friend of us and just a great friend of the company he actually holds the world record for the most consecutive days wearing our 6-1 vibe hoodie which he is wearing right now into the dungeon which is about 90 degrees so uh he's the man he recently had songs placed in TV shows such as the always trending Selling Sunset on Netflix, which is my guilty pleasure, which I can't wait to get into that. I know we're laughing. Uh, and the last time he was on, he wore a dual cap of being staff songwriter 
and creative director of Demolition Music Publishing. But now he is serving as staff songwriter and bum bum boom, the new general manager of Demolition Music Publishing. Y'all, it is our pleasure to have back with us. My brother, Mr. Mike August. What's going on, baby? Guys, what's going on? It's great to be back. What's up, brother? Great to see you, man. Man, great to see you guys as well. I love, uh, man, I'm so pumped to be back. It's been like, I'm actually just pumped to be out of the house. Let's yeah. put it that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. Well, we were just talking to you, like off mic. Uh, the last time I think I saw you was right before Kevin and I headed out to Villain Arts Festival in Cleveland, and that was back in like late February. Oh my gosh. Now I've seen you on the Zoom rights and stuff, but it's just not the same. So it's so great to physically have you here and to get Mike back on the mic. So how's pandemic for you, bro? Oh man, I will tell you, it's, it's an interesting time. You know, I'm sure everyone is kind of dealing with this in their own way. Um, But for, for, you know, the show must go on, you know, it's, and it does, it really does. Um, We've been, we've, uh, leaned on zoom more than you know anything else dude at, at this point I, I i swear i'm sick of seeing my own face every day yeah you know because <laughs> it's zoom meeting after meeting um and it's great it's an awesome tool and i and i love that we have it but yeah it's just like there's something about being on you know on the screen for that long of time you know meetings and or songwriting sessions and rights that you just your your brain gets exhausted <laughs> No, absolutely. And I want to ask you about Zoom because you just said the same thing. The same thing I'm feeling is is you, you're constantly looking at yourself. Now, when you are, let me ask you this, and you can be totally honest, but when you're addressing the room, the room Zoom, are you looking at yourself <laughs> to make sure you look cool, oh, sounding, you know, oh, dude. Or, or are you looking at everyone else? Oh, you know, of course, it's, it's funny because like you can't really tell like who you're looking at, you know, no. especially if there's, you know, more than one person on the Zoom call. So a lot of the times, oh yeah, I'm definitely peeping myself, making sure like, like I look cool when I'm saying something, or or you know if I right. look like an idiot, or like some days I'll make sure that the uh, the lighting is is peeking perfectly through the blinds, you know, in front of me, so that the lighting on myself looks great in Zoom. You know, oh, think yeah. about those those weird things. You know, totally. Dude, and anyone who says that they don't is fucking lying. <laughs> it's totally lying because yeah. I think I look at myself about ninety percent of the time just to make sure. And even when I'm talking and addressing the room, I'm always looking like, "Hey, <laughs> yeah. that's the scary thing, though, is because now you're looking at yourself when you're addressing a question or maybe having an idea, and you bring it to the room and you're looking at yourself. You're like, "Wow, I look like a fucking idiot," or <laughs> "I look really cool saying this." Your lighting, by the way, and I'm a fucking photographer. I mean amateur photographer but like i cannot figure out lighting up in my studio so your lighting is perfect Dude, what is this is it natural lighting it's just natural man it's i was it's, gonna say yeah it's all like literally you know my computer's set up right in front of a window so i'm you know and it's the sun is always there light. it is yeah it's, it's all about the natural light you know and and you know i will say there's a couple techniques in zoom where you can probably make yourself look a little better sometimes you know you have that those hangover nights where we're stuck in quarantine and maybe by yourself drinking a little too much or with the wife you know drinking a little too much and the next day you're kind of hungover you got the eyes you know but you know on zoom they've got tricks that's all i'm gonna say i'm gonna gonna leave it at that you're gonna have to show me the tricks (laughs) but actually i hope you don't have to show me the tricks because i'm about done 
with the Zoom stuff. Oh, my God. And, and I will say this. And this is my thing. And, and Kevin knows my thing because we've been doing house party and, and Skyping with, like, <laughs> friends and stuff. And I have just... It gets old. I have told everybody, like, I cannot do it. I what I want to do is just like individually come sit outside with you and yes. just have a conversation. And I'd be like totally better, you know, with that. But Zoom writes, you know, all of us in the songwriting community, I think we've had to change our rhythm a bit, obviously. Uh, and we've been doing these Zoom or Skype writes to collaborate. But um, it is so much different than the actual Nashville organic way of creating music because you're, you, you get in a room with somebody, you can feel a little bit of energy, that physical energy. You can tap into their soul. My thing with Zoom is, and I've, and I've told you this, and I have a great time doing Zoom with you, yeah. but there are some Zooms that I've had to cancel just because I can't get a sense of the soul. And I hate the latency where like, if you're talking and I'm like, and I want to interrupt you and be like, oh, that's fucking awesome. But then wait, what if we take that and do this? I have to wait five seconds after you talk. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I've lost my idea. And that has happened to me multiple times. So it, it can be tough. But what is your thoughts on the Zoom? Do you like it? Is it is it working for you? How has your creative process with it? You know, I think I think it's kind of like a necessary evil at this point. Like right now, you know, we all have quotas and things that we have to hit as far as like our songwriting deals go. And, you know, everyone has to turn in songs and get it done. And I think it's everyone's for the most part, I know a lot of folks in Nashville have adapted really well to it. Um, you know, there are obviously the issues like, you know, if you're trying to write with a producer, it's really hard because it's like you're trying to listen to the track they've got going at the same time as you're trying to vibe to, get a, get a vibe to what they're doing. And it's just all like you're right. It's like the latency and just not feeling the energy in the room. Um, is a thing. I think for for me personally, and and I think for people that I, I've talked to, you know, it's it's easier for people that you know and you've worked with before to be able to jump on Zoom and and have a decent write. Um, but like new sessions are kind of weird. New sessions are like because you're also yeah. sort of getting to know that person at the same time as trying to write, trying to pour your heart out into yes. in in song. Um, so that's kind of weird. At the same time of looking at yourself the whole entire yeah. time and making sure you look cool. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. naturally. Um, but dude, it's like, for me, I think um, I've had, you know, I've had really good Zoom rights and I've had ones that have been shit. Like I've had like in the middle of a session, three, like just two amazing writers that I love working with. Um, I mean, we've literally got like, an hour in and pretty much had like a line or two. And we were like, guys, let's just stop. It's not like, we can't, we can't do it today. And that never happens in the room. Like, it's just like, you know, and this is one of those. So, but, but you know, sometimes you just can't get the, get the vibe. You can't get the energy, Mm -hmm. but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. I I think it, and I did, I I remember like, I kind of side text you and, and we've been doing some Mm -hmm. zooms, you know, during the pandemic and, they they've been they've been fine they've been great but you're right I think it the Zoom adds probably an extra hour or two mm-hmm. onto your session yeah because you just can't get that organic feeling you know you know what I I like I had was writing with um, a great writer in town Kylie Sackley and she was talking about how you know she doesn't put any pressure on the rights like she's like you know if we if we get started and we get rolling on something awesome 
if we get caught up on whatever, like, let's not force it. Let's, you know, we all, our schedules are pretty wide open right now. So let's just get back together on it the next day. Let's not pressure ourselves to knock out a song in three to four hours like we normally do in Nashville sessions. Um, so I just thought that was cool advice. No, definitely, man. And, and that's, that's actually what I've been kind of learning with Zoom is... You may not get through the song the whole time. Yeah. Um, but at least even a jump start. Because if, if anything, like we're in this weird situation. So even a jump start is better than nothing. You know, nothing. Yeah. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. It's just, it comes off as like a last ditch effort just to stay connected. It's better than going this whole time without getting anything in and just completely losing the momentum. Right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. But so. now it's interesting too. Cause I mean, I think in Nashville specifically, you know, because, you know, you have L.A., you have New York, and you have Nashville. You're pretty much your three main, you know, major music cities. Nashville has, I mean, people are getting back into rooms. Like, everyone's over, yeah. like you said, I mean, everyone's over it. You know, everyone's ready to get back into rooms. And it's happening all the time at this point, which is not really in L.A. Um, and definitely not New York. Um, but in Nashville, like, a lot of rights are happening in offices again, you know, a lot of the major publishing companies and major labels are still shut down and they will be for a while um, because they're just big buildings and they can't afford the liability of that. But um, for this, you know, for the smaller independent companies, you know, their, their doors are opening slowly, but writers are getting back together. Studios are starting to open again here, um, which, which is exciting. And, you know, nerve-wracking a little bit but i think if you're you know it's it's really up to the writer at this point you know whether they're comfortable jumping back into the room um i'm trying to think i think i have my first like back in the room session is like i think next week and I, i'm i'm all right with it I, I think i'm in that right with you that's right. It's it's me, yeah, me and a past guest of the Bombcast show, Miss Nora Collins. I think we're on on the twenty third. Dude, we that, are that'll on. That'll be my first. You, so you're you're obviously. Wait getting, a second. That's my yeah. That'll be my first. Yeah. Yeah. That's my first too. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited, man. I, I really am. Just I don't care if we sit twenty yards away from each other. No. Just give me that Stella, <laughs> and let's have a ball. And yes. Let's write. Let's Dude. Do something. Seriously, it's gonna be good. But that's basically, uh, you know, right now what what the flow's like. You know, it's webinar after webinar, meeting after meeting yep. via Zoom and, and trying to get it going. Um, but I'll tell you what, though. The biggest thing that I've been able to do during this time, taking the quarantine time, I think everyone had their own thing to dig into during this time because of all the extra, has been um, I've been getting back into producing, like, big time. Um, yeah, just literally like diving back into Pro Tools. Uh, that's just my, you know, DAW of choice. And I've been doing, you know, got all the new plugins, all the new gear, um, just got kind of locked and loaded and have, you know, it's incredible what you can learn on YouTube these days. I mean, holy shit. Like anything that I ever wanted to know about any Pro Tools question or any production question, I looked it up on YouTube. I've sat in like tutorials on YouTube and learned so much. It's been awesome. So I've just, you know, at this time I've been at basically produced, I don't know, maybe like six or seven songs during the quarantine, just getting back to really? it. I'll have to play some stuff. Yeah. Nice. Please. That's rad, dude. That's yeah. awesome. 
You know, it's really cool, man. I mean, and I want to come back to that because you made a big jump from the last time you were here on the show. You went from creative director to general manager. And I really want to, and now you're talking about now I'm producing. I mean, that's amazing. I don't know too many GMs of uh, independent publishing companies that will actually go in and start producing. Now, you also are a staff writer, of course, and an amazing writer, obviously one of my favorites in town. Let's go from creative director to GM. What did that look like for you? What what what's what's on the plate now? Well, I think I mean, you know, first of all, it was it was just an awesome, you know, end of last year, uh moving into this year and really just talking about the company and moving the company forward and how what the vision plan was. Um and I think the biggest jump between the two jobs is just well, I mean, there's everything. So it's really, you know, making, <laughs> besides yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. There's, it's totally, you know, steering the ship, um, making decisions on, uh, you know, what writers were signing to what initiatives, what are, we're going to take as far as, um, you know, what we're going to invest money and time into. Um, but really it's, it's more of, of a, you know, instead of boots on the ground, um, going into pitch meetings or setting up writing sessions um more it's more kind of like overseeing and kind of steering the ship and dealing with building relationships and bigger bigger business uh talking with you know um venture partners and trying to secure relationships like you know for example the latest one we just signed an amazing producer writer named uh, Evan Kaufman yeah. and my part in that deal was was to secure our venture partner which is Angry Mob Music from LA um knowing that he's an amazing pop producer i wanted a company on board that was really you know invested in the pop market and being in LA and also with TV and film so Kind of that kind of stuff is just building relationships, building partnerships, uh, thinking a little bit more um, big picture. That's awesome, man. What was that process like? Have you like were you, were you nervous to reach out to that? Like, did what did you learn in that process, man? Did you learn more like negotiating skills? Like, what was it like? Yeah, you know, it's it's a little bit of everything. It's a lot of, you know, for sure. You're right about it's constantly talking about negotiations, constantly looking at contracts, um, you know, learning more and more interfacing with our attorneys and, and that kind of stuff just, you know, but, but I think what I learned from, yeah, you know, what I'm learning, cause I'm always learning is that, um, you know, we, we as a small publishing company, you know, we're an independent publishing company. We're about, six writers, seven people on staff. Um, you know, for us, our goal is to really make these strategic partnerships with other companies and other folks that are um, in places that we're not and maybe that we're in places that they're not. So we can help each other by forming, a you know, a venture together and you know, helping each other out. And it's really just kind of putting those puzzle pieces together um, that that's going to help us grow. 
yeah, so that's that's fantastic right there, dude. And I think that's a great thing to um, kind of expand on a little bit here. Because, like, you don't have to give me an exact dollar figure, but, like, percentage-wise, what's your guys' annual revenue compared to theirs? As far as, um, like, a major? Yeah. I mean, oh, man. At, at, at this point, like, you know, Demolition Music is a... We're about five years in so you know i mean it's not even not even comparable yeah, just very not, yeah, yeah not yeah. even comparable at this point you know what i mean we're we're starting you know as a publishing companies um are definitely you know it's it's a good it's it's a long-term game let's put it that way right so you have to build you have to build slow things take a while to start paying off. So for us now, year five, we're finally getting to the point where where things are coming in, things are paying off. We're doing a lot of stuff in TV and film. Like Steve said in the beginning, yeah. we're starting to get songs in television and film. We're starting to get national, uh, international cuts coming in. Um, our artists are starting to do some great things. Uh, one of which we have a pop artist named Haven, um, who Radio Disney has been just, you know, it's incredible that how, how they've uh, embraced her, just spinning everything that she releases constantly on the, you know. So she's, she's killing it. Yeah. She's it's, killing it. It's pretty amazing. So, so some really cool things for a small company are starting to happen now. Um, and it's amazing just kind of having a front seat, you know, view yeah. of all this. Yeah, and so when you're approaching them, are you basically like introducing those bullet points and saying, "Hey, here's what we can do for you based on these prior accomplishments?" Or like how how specifically did you go like approach that that negotiation? Well, so it will be if if I'm if we're talking about kind of like a joint venture with a writer specifically, it will literally be specifically that writer. Okay. So you know, just right now we have about two or three folks that we're looking to sign, but I know that I want to kind of expand the web on those writers. So I'm personally, so what I'll do is I'll develop like a, a one sheet on that writer, like the list of their highlights, the best things that they've done, um, the accomplishments that they've had, like a list, a link of songs that they've done. And I will go out and start shopping that writer to other companies that I think would be a good partner for us. Um, and I'll have all the terms, all the how much the money would be, how long the term would be, kind of fleshed out prior. And I'll take that to other companies and start shopping it. Folks that we already have a relationship with, because for the most part, um, or in some cases, you know, new new companies that I, I don't know anything about. And um, and that's basically how, how we'll go about it. And then if there's interest, then we'll go from there. Awesome, dude. Yeah. That's amazing, man. And <clears throat> one thing I've always liked about Demolition, I think in the past couple of years, you guys really been moving forward as your film and TV uh, and your, your, your whole yeah. sync program. Now, that's cool because, well, let's talk about this real quick. Selling Sunset. Okay, I'm gonna go. I want to go. That is a specific example of a song that you've got on a show that I personally find. I don't think Kevin has seen the show. Oh, I don't think this is not a Kevin show. I mm. wonder if Sarah would, would actually watch this. Well, Pro- it, probably. If it's trash, she's into it. It's guilty pleasure. If it's gar- no if it's full on garb. Yeah, dude. The women usually like it. I will say it's like Laguna Beach grew up 
and became real estate agents. Oh God, that's great. <laughs> so he basically I bet that's did, awful. Oh, one, Mike, you nailed it. I think you know basically the show is attractive women selling high end real estate. I mean, forty three million dollar homes, eighty nine oh, yeah. million dollar homes in Los Angeles. It goes, you know, this is why I like this show. Yeah, I'm gonna admit it. I like this show, and it wasn't it wasn't because the women are attractive, which they are. They're unbelievable. <laughs> but I like to see the houses. I like to see the homes. I like to see that lifestyle. The big lavish rich and famous los angeles lifestyle and i love to see these homes i'm like oh my god these are amazing these are dream homes i think the first season kind of started as uh you know it was more about the houses now it's about the drama the drama because you got to bring in the drama oh yeah yeah but I watched season two, and I did hear your song on there, and that was actually one of my favorite episodes. It was a good <laughs> was one, dude. Yeah, it's it's so crazy. So here's my thing, you know, demolition is coming in, and you're in Nashville, right? So you're you're in Nashville, and a lot of our writers, I think, a lot of young writers are coming here, and they're thinking we're going to write for the charts, we're going to write these big hit songs. Is there a uh, maybe a longevity game for people here now in Nashville because that whole sync program has been LA scene for a very long time. Oh yeah. Is now a time where maybe artists can come to Nashville and instead of trying to get that next Carrie Underwood, uh, Luke Bryan single, can they come here and maybe have somewhat of a career? Uh, cause we all know how the music industry is. Can they have somewhat of a career off of doing sync licensing on film and TV? Oh, a hundred percent. I know. Yeah. I mean, I can't even tell you how many folks I know who their sole bread and butter is writing songs for TV and film. Yeah. Um, it's become, you know, I think absolutely. And that was the, I mean, Steve, like you nailed it. I think it was two, maybe two and a half years ago now that we as a company decided that sync was going to be a major initiative for us. Yes. And it was, you know, I think you probably remember yep, me talking remember, about yep, it. Absolutely. And it was like, you know, for for me personally, it was going to LA every other month and meeting with everybody in LA, music supervisors who, um, folks out there, music supervisors are the people that uh, they decide which songs go in the shows. So, you know, we want to build relationships with those music supervisors because we want to become cool with them so that we can send them songs and if they need things for their shows they're going to reach out to us and say hey do you have you know we need a, a badass female song like empowerment you know rock song for this show do you have anything yeah yeah so we want to form those relationships and that's what we did um and now like two and a half years later we're those relationships are starting to pay off. So I will say that it does take time, but with sync and you know TV and film placements, it's there is so much opportunity, so yeah. much opportunity. I mean, these days with Netflix and Hulu and all these streaming shows and just you know network television and movies and video games and Snapchat miniseries and Quibi and all this, all these you know, media outlets that need music, there are so much opportunities. I mean, we look at Selling Sunset. I don't know if you noticed, but on Selling Sunset, how many songs are in each episode? Oh, wow. It's yeah. insane. Um, so much. Every time the frame changes, I'm Every sure. time the frame changes, mm, yeah. there's a new song. I mean, just that show itself has a great need for music. So just yes. multiply that by, you know, however many shows. So 
yes, the, the, the short answer is, you know, you can find your way in sync, you know, what, whether that's your dream or if your dream is to write, you know, major hit country songs or major hit pop songs or whatever it is, you know, while you're doing that, there's no reason that you can't find, you know, you, you can't make a buck or you can't find your way writing music for TV and film as well. Absolutely, man. And you know what I noticed in Forbes magazine, they said Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, all your big like channels that people pay for subscriptions for, their stock has gone up immensely, oh my especially during the coronavirus, because what are we doing? We're watching TV. Yes, uh, Spotify has made shit ton of money too, because people go to what? They go to music. Now, Netflix has released more new TV shows in the past three months than they ever have in their entire existence. All those TV shows have what? Music. So I want just our listeners to know, it, you know, if you come to Nashville and you want to try to be a chart topper, that's awesome. But there's also another way to make a living. Oh, and, yeah. And you can do it uh, by by writing 30 seconds of a goddamn song. <laughs> I mean, it really it's really all they take. It's all, yeah, a lot of times. Can you go into just real one thing real quick? It's just the, okay, we're, so say, us three get together and we want to write a song for sync. How is that process for, for our young writers out there? Like, how do you do it? Is it, is it, is it storytelling? Is it kind of the Nashville rule or are there different rules in writing towards sync? Yeah, there's totally, there's totally a different set of, and I won't even say, I I love uh, one of my biggest songwriting mentors is um, a guy named Jason Bloom. And what he used to say is, you know, there's no rules in songwriting, only tools. And I love that. So, there are absolutely a different set of tools um, in writing sync. And that is, you know, if you're, let's let's look at a country song. You know, country songs are all about, you know, just imagery. You want to tell a story. You want to paint pictures. The scene, you know, you want to literally write that three-minute movie for your listener. Tons of furniture. Tons of furniture. Yeah. We love the word <laughs> furniture. Yeah. Um in sync, it's totally different. It's the opposite. It's literally like, I mean, the movie's already there or the show's already there. Your job as a writer is to enhance what the picture is. So you're you're writing music that's totally emotion based. Um, you you want to make music that that makes you feel something. So like lyrically, you're definitely going to be a broader message. Um, you're not going to be. I mean pretty hard and fast things or no no places times dates real specifics you want to steer away from and you really want to focus on the emotion because you're you're really supporting the scene as opposed to telling the story from where you're sitting right now i think this segues well what's the general consensus of live shows are people getting kind of freaked out to the point where they're like, hey, Mike, I need to start really upping my, my TV and sync game because I'm just so uncertain like when I'm going to have another another live show. So my, my question is twofold. A, when do you personally think uh, we'll see concerts go back to normal, like the way mm-hmm. it was pre-COVID? And then B, um, how, how are you noticing people adapt to the current environment and are they uh, adapting more towards TV and film when their prior goal was to be, um, you know, writing for Miranda Lambert or, or someone who, who is making their living off arena tours? Well, it's a great question. So for sure, like the first part of that, as far as getting back to touring, 
you know, it's definitely tricky. Right now, we're, I, I don't think, I think 2020 is done as far as touring goes. You yeah. know, I, I don't think, you know, anyone's going to be selling tickets or I don't think venues are going to be open for the rest of the year, uh, unfortunately. Um, we're looking at, I mean, we were excited. We had one of our, our artists who I said, Haven, she had landed um, the opening slot for um, Dinah Jane from Fifth Harmony. She was going to be touring on her world tour. And I know it was, it was an awesome, awesome, you know, experience, but that she's she's kick-ass too. Yeah. Oh, she's killer dude. I know. And it was just one of those things where it it got canceled and it was going to be postponed to August. And now it's like, we don't even know. It's, it's still postponed probably till, you know, next year. So, so as far as that goes, you know, not having any any live dates coming up, um, I think folks are definitely looking to, you know, where they're going to make money. Now, the issue with sync right now, too, and, and TV and film is that there's also no new production. So all production for TV shows and movies are halted right, right now, too. Uh. So that... So really the things, so the opportunities are less at this moment in time. They're less right now because really the only thing that music supervisors are working on are things that are in post-production. So things that are already finished that they need music cues for. Um, You know, I think advertisements will continue. (laughs) Like people are still creating ads. So ad songs right now, like we're always getting like asks for like, you know, rise or stand together or you know those kind of big anthemic up-tempo you know inspirational songs that really kind of um you know what we need to hear right now you know advertisements are are asking for those kind of songs um but yeah as far as new production i mean we're, we're also halted on that for we don't know yet how long wow so it's 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 an it's an interesting time. <laughs> it is very yeah, interesting. interesting. Do you know that the the last person that came out with a record this year was who? Dua Lipa. Oh my gosh! Oh, so wow. so what what they did with Dua Lipa? Though I was reading about this. Um, she came out with her record and launched like I would say like a couple weeks into COVID. Now all the record labels they halted all the other artists. Gaga's got a new record coming out. Ariana's got a new record coming yep. out. They all halted. Now Ariana came out with a single with Gaga, so they're releasing a single, and then she came out the uh, the thing with Bieber, right? That is, uh, I think all the proceeds of that are going to some charity or whatever. But um, all the records are halted now. They want to do a Lipa to throw herself into the ring and see what happens. What I didn't notice was. Well, Dua Lipa's killing it right now. Yeah. Okay? And and if you listen to the terrestrial radio right now, all you're going to hear is Dua Lipa. Because <laughs> it's crazy. the only new thing that we have. It's the only new thing that we have. Um, she actually made it work. Uh, but she's a hell of a marketer. One thing I didn't notice uh, was when all the restaurants closed... Now you know how that kind of works too. Yeah. When the restaurants have to pay, or they you know they pay that monthly fee. Oh right, right. To music, and you know, think of there's millions of restaurants. Oh there's yeah. There's millions of dentist office, doctors office that play music constantly through their airwaves. No, they have to pay for that. Right. People, record labels were afraid. 
to release new music because they're like, well, we're not going to make any money off this because if there's any bar that's going to be playing new music, it's not going to be playing any of this stuff. Dua Lipa has done very well for herself. Wow. And once again, if you turn on the radio, you're going to hear one, two, and three singles from her and maybe some old stuff. I understand what that. What a but fucking opportunity. Yeah, right? What Crazy. an opportunity. And yeah. you know what they said? Everybody was like, she's going to be the guinea pig. And she was ballsy enough, and they I think they had asked her, and she's a hell of a marketer herself. They had asked her, do you want this thing to come out now? Because we don't think it's a good idea. Your label tells you it's not a good idea. Your management tells you it's not a good idea. Ended up being the best choice. Wow. Because she's killing it on radio. Yeah. Wow, respect for that, yeah. dude. That's yeah, awesome. killing it. And, and so the guinea pig worked. But I also understand like how much money record labels are losing. But also, okay, so when you go into this thing, you know, it's still with streaming. Streaming became a huge thing. Yes. Spotify numbers went up immensely because people are trying to, what, reconnect with music. Yes. Everything, every, every friend that I have, I'm like, what are you listening to now? Everyone's listening to new music because, well, we got the time to. No one ever really has the time to listen to new music. I, I've showed Kev a few bands that I liked. I showed you that new Harry Styles record that yep. I'm just obsessed with. But like, yeah, shout out to the Dangerous Summer. Oh, uh, Dangerous Summer. Oh man, I could do a whole podcast on that. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, such totally. a great record. Yeah, um, which we'll get uh, to show you some stuff from that. But oh, uh, hell yeah, I like the balls on Dua Lipa. I like how she said, "No, screw it. We're gonna we're we're gonna go through it." And guess what? It probably is gonna end up be the biggest financial decision she ever made and it's working out for her and hey, it's awesome. I, I love it, man. And it, it's true. You know, there was a, I was just sitting on, you know, another Zoom webinar and it was talking about the whole state of the music industry right now, specifically focusing on um, COVID and what's going on right now. And it's, it's crazy to see that, you know, during this time, you know, the first month, like things tanked hardcore, everything tanked, right? Yeah. It was like uh, streaming tanked, um, freaking just, you know, everything, you know, sales of vinyl, sales. Panic uh, was happening. No, yeah. No one's leaving the house. No right. one's even going to music at, yet at that point. Right. Right. No, okay. yeah, obviously live shows. And now it's... Um, streaming is is back people are streaming like like crazy again like you were saying um i think that's that's pretty much like the biggest thing like we were talking about spotify numbers going up netflix numbers going up all those services so it's kind of an interesting time to to release music um and and still it's like you said at this at this point some artists are deciding not to release anything. Some artists are deciding to release stuff. And it's it's really, it, no one knows at this point, you know? It's yeah. not, it's kind of just a roll of the dice. In your professional opinion, though, I, I, I think everybody that I've been talking to said, well, 2020, man, during this pandemic, I mean, there's going to be so much great music coming out. Obviously, there's only been one real successful record that came out. I think 2021... Hold on to your fucking hats. I agree. They're about to release bombs on you because people have had time to reinvent in the studio. People have had time to reinvent themselves. They, the production has just gone up. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. 2021 in the music industry, I think we are going to prevail. I totally agree. Uh, I mean, speaking of, uh, like, let's look at it just through the lens of Nashville as a country market. Right. So check, I mean, here's the thing. Like, at this point, most, I'm getting more responses from A&R people at labels, 
producers and managers when we're pitching songs than ever before. They're listening like crazy. So what I'm thinking is, and and, and you guys know this, a lot of times in Nashville, most of the, at this point, most of the artists are part of the songwriting process. So a lot of times, politically, the songs that the artists write will end up on their records. Whereas in past in Nashville, there was a lot of what we call outside songs, meaning just songwriter written songs that the artists would cut. Um, now, those songs are, you know, let's just say that <laughs> we're a small publishing company and we have. I'm so glad you're getting into this, by the way, because I wanted to pick your brain about something yeah, real do, quick. It, it, it's an interesting topic. So, like, and I'll, tr- you know, I won't tread that lightly. Um, so, the thing is that, you know, if you're listening to country music radio, you know, you're going to notice a lot of the same things. You know, sometimes the the complaint is that, you know, the songs aren't aren't that great. They're not what they used to be. You know, it's it's I think a lot of the times is that we get we get so caught up in, you know, the artist having to be a writer on the song that's that the songs ends up suffering. I can't even explain to you like I'm part of an independent small publishing company and I know I'm friends with so many other folks at other different companies and sometimes we'll go into these pitch meetings together and we'll we'll like for example we'll go to Warner Music me and like five other representatives from five other companies and we'll be pitching songs and I can't tell you the amount of incredible hit songs that are pitched during these meetings like just songs that are just that you'll never hear and you'll never hear them. You know, the majority of us will never hear these songs. They're just sitting collecting dust in a catalog at a publishing company. Um, but it's incredible how many of those songs are, are there and written. I think if I'm not mistaken, I'll bring my whole point around is that during this time during COVID, well, all these A&R reps are listening more than they ever have. And people are pitching songs like crazy. I think like Steve was saying next year, 2021, a lot of shit is going to get recorded. That's amazing because I don't know if there's as many, you know, I think artists are going to need songs. Yeah. I don't think they're in as many sessions as they were. You know, I think they're going to actually get back to maybe cutting what we call outside songs. Wow. Dude, and that's crazy, man. And uh, like I think about that all the time. How many shelved hits there are out there? Right. Is there ever a way to like go back through and mine those, or do people's attention spans just go so fast that it's like if it doesn't catch in that pitch meeting, it's just dead? Like, well, you're gonna have to have special access to hear any of that ever. Well, I think if you're, you know, like for us, for example, like there's songs in our catalog that like I will never stop pitching. Like, I just love them so much that I'll just keep working, working that song. And it's it's about, I think it really is about the people behind the song. You know what I mean? It's the people who feel passionate about it, who are going to keep working it until they can get it cut, recorded. Um, but, but that's, you know, but a lot of them, like, like we just talked about, there's so many gems in these catalogs that, that are never heard, nice. you know, but I think we're looking at like this whole, this whole situation right now, I think think 2021 there's going to be i don't know it's just a forecast of mine but you know we could be hearing a lot of good shit on the radio 
That's fucking rad, dude. That's exciting, man. I hope that is the case. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, man. 100% agree with you. I think so, too. And there has been proof in, in outside songs getting cut and, and, and songs shelved for years. I mean, I think God Bless, God Bless the Broken Road was a song that sat, you know, that was that was like a 10-year-old song that was resurfaced. Now, it was released by an artist, I think, first, and then it was able to resurface itself. With Rascal Flatts, yeah. Yeah, it can happen. And it's so funny because I, I really wanted to get inside your mind on the outside cut. Oh, man. I have a bullet point in front of me that says outside cut. And um, I'm so glad you tapped into that. Dude, the outside cut, man, I will tell you right now, look at folks like, I mean, you know, if we're looking at, let's look at the country market, right? Because the country market is a market that has thrived on the outside cut. And let's explain outside cut. Yeah. That go ahead. Thrived yeah. and I think survived. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And when we're talking about outside cut, we mean that the that the artist singing the song was not involved in the writing process. This was just, you know, one, two, or three or more songwriters writing the song and then that song gets pitched. Okay, thanks for the clarification. I I didn't know. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It's just Okay, perfect. The, yeah, just the slang outside cut. So we look at it and, you know, studies right now, there's, you know, oh my gosh, I mean, it's a very small percentage of songs that are singles um, that are outside cuts anymore. Literally, like, there might be, you know, I think we did a study two years ago on the top 40 Billboard chart, and it was like maybe, I don't know, 25%. I remember, Maybe. You, remember gave this? Me, ta- you gave me these statistics right. and it scared the living shit out of me. Yeah, because we're songwriters. Yeah. And that's our yeah. that's what we're working towards. So we know it's how hard it is. Now, um, I think as far as like let's look at the careers though, for my the way that I look at this is like let's look at the careers of the artists in country music who have lasted. Yeah. Okay. Garth Brooks, Tim McGraw, Kenny Chesney. Rascal Flats. What do these guys all have in common? They choose the best song. Yes. And a lot of the times, their name doesn't have to be on yeah. the best song. It, it is exactly right. They're choosing these outside songs. They, they listen to them. They know how to choose a great song. And to me, that is what has made their career last so long. Absolutely. And I think those are for primo examples of even in the writing community, us talking to people and being like, yeah, I got that rascal cut or I got that McGraw cut or I got that Chesney cut or whatever. And that changed my life. And, and really you're like, well, of course it fucking did, but you're right. Those are four pieces of just that whole chessboard that have had long, okay. Aerosmith did it. Let's be honest. Aerosmith. I, I, oh my I read, gosh! Yeah, I read, I read Joe Perry rocks. Now let's talk about even further careers than any of those people. Started in the seventies, are still active today. They have a Vegas show today. Right. Would not have survived the eighties or nineties without outside cuts. I mean, they brought in guys like Desmond Child. They brought in like so many writers. Oh, don't want to miss a thing. I mean, don't Diane Warren. Diane Warren. Don't want to miss a thing. Aerosmith had not had a number one hit until that song. They had a, a career that was what. 30 years into existence yeah. and they never had a number one until they cut that Diane Warren song. Absolutely. And so that's why that is the power of the outside cut. 
I think so many songwriters come here and people start getting discouraged. It's not even, you know, honestly, it's not even the songwriters. A lot of artists come in here and they get discouraged because they're not in the room with like certain people, right? Right. Do songwriters in this town, is it beneficial for them to focus on working with getting with young artists that maybe have something to prove and something that they, you know, people that they gel with? Is that a thing or should they really be worrying about Man, I really need to get in a room with Jeffrey Steele or Shane McAnally. I don't, I, for me, I don't think that should be their goal. I think they should find their camp oh. and grow with because you're always gonna, the people that become successful next, just like the music, music industry moves in waves, the people that come up next are the camp that's been working together for a long time to really hone in that sound and hone in that groove. And that's, that, that is just repetitive, you know repetitive history oh absolutely i mean you're you're exactly right the i i I totally agree with the idea of rising with your camp it's it's you know you're gonna you are gonna rise with your crew you come to town you know we all talk about obviously everyone who comes to town eventually hears the expression writing up which means writing with folks that are more successful than you right and it's like getting in the room with with hit writers when you're not a hit writer or getting in the room with artists that, you know, have more shit going on at the time than you do or whatever. So writing up and we're, you know, we all hear that term, but the biggest thing is, is that thing. It's, it's writing with people that you vibe with artists. If you're a songwriter specifically, and you're not an artist, then hell yeah. Find those artists that you believe in that you think you know that they are going to be hit artists yep. and write with them, stick with them, develop a crew and a circle around focusing on writing with those folks and, and your and your other songwriters that you vibe with um, and build that, build that circle, do writer's rounds together, network, go out to events together, do it all and and you will you will rise together that's that's what happens don't worry about you know we can all worry about who's who else is getting into what room and you know um it doesn't mean who has all the the hits on the radio right now that's that's is what it is and that's what it's going to be at this time but it's not to say that you're not next because you could be and your crew could be you know yeah that's also a shout out to all of our listeners who are up and coming artists. I think I, we, we've had our artists on the show. I think that have talked about, you know, I want to get in these rooms. I want to get in these rooms. If I got into these rooms, things would change. I personally don't believe in that. I actually think you need to find a crew that you gel with. There, how many thousands of songwriters or creative people do we have in this town? We have a, we have a lot. Yeah. Find people that believe in you, like you just said. Find people who believe in you and know your sound and, and know your brand and want to grow with you. Those are the people I think you need to work with. The people that you are dying to get in the room with, they're already doing something else with someone else up. Yeah. But you could be the next thing. So believe in yourself and be the future don't worry about working with people who've had success in the past start working on your future a little bit yeah i i I love that thought i mean look at you know we can look at in nashville specifically like groups like 
we talk about the peach pickers. Yeah. You know, folks, hit songwriters from Georgia that, you know, got together, you know, every Tuesday for God knows how many years, right? And they, they ended up writing countless numbers of hits. You know, it's, it's, it happens, you know, the, the love junkies, uh, is another yeah. crew like, um, and we, you know, these these crews that come up together, you know, just get with your people, find find your people, and find find the folks that you gel with, and the folks that you you know create amazing things with, and it's just natural. You don't have to force it. You know, you get in a room and and you know that no matter what, you're going to get a great song and you're going to have a good time. Um, and I think that's. It's just it's just gonna happen naturally, um, but but you're definitely right about the artist situation. Is you know the numbers don't lie. Outside cuts for sure happen. You know you have to have. I think an incredible song will always find its way. Hopefully, I, I still believe that an incredible song will always find a home. Um, but for the most part, find artists that you really believe in and and continue to work with them. Hundred percent, man. I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't agree any more with that. That's awesome, dude. Shit, I don't even know how we got on that topic. I'm trying to remember. We went from I, COVID to that, and then it's like you know, it's oh. the magic of the bombcast. Yeah, baby. dude. You just follow. Now we're gonna lift hole. you up. We're gonna take you down. It's like a roller coaster. It's the other point. Now, welcome to the rock and rolls roller coaster. We're gonna lift <laughs> you up. We're gonna take you down. We're gonna take you sideways. We're gonna go you upside down. Either way. That that's a beautiful answer, and I love for our listeners to know that because you know, look, when I when I was twenty two and I moved here, I thought I was writing for the charts. It's always about writing for the charts. Like, man, this this thing is going to be the next big thing, next big thing. I didn't know that maybe surround yourself with a camp, surround yourself with people. You know, when Kevin and I were in a band, I mean, that was such a beautiful time because that's what I think it should feel like. It should feel like you're creating music with people that you love and people that make your music sound great or when you and I create, it's people that you love. That should be your work. Yes. It shouldn't be anything else but that. I'm going, I can wake up every day and I can go in with a room with this person and we can have the best time of our life and we can come, we can make something out of nothing. How is that not, I mean, that's what all, all the successful people do. Yeah, and it does take time, and it does take a lot of tolerance, and it does take a lot of patience. But you know what? That is, that's the dream, right? Absolutely. To have success on something you love, Bob with, Dylan once said, "With people you love." Yes, with people you love. Bob Dylan, you know, he said that famous quote. He goes, "A successful person shows up to something he loves every day, no matter what that is. He just shows up to something he loves every day." That's a, that is a successful person. That's amazing. Yeah, that's very true, man. And that's where a lot of the nuance comes from, man. I, I know I hear a lot of people are like, man, how does the music industry work? How does this whole thing, like, I don't even understand how you become, like, someone famous. It's like, well, it's in those little nuances. It's in feeling connected to a camp. It's in showing up to something you love. Those are intangibles that you just can't teach, man. And it's not going to show up the same way it would show up in like selling life insurance, right? Yeah, like right. It's, it's not the same thing. Well, 100%. And so while the music industry may have elements of corporate structure to it, because we all speak the same language of business at the end of the day, that's how we make a dollar. There are still those um, intangible nuances to it that make it, that make it special and make it somewhat of a mystery. And you'll know 
the key to those mysteries if if you're meant for it and how you'll know if you're meant for it is if you understand those nuances that we were just talking about yeah and you know what's interesting about some some intangible stuff i'll i'll talk about when when i talk to writers who are you know thinking about moving to nashville or you know living in other cities um that are not music cities and talking about becoming a professional songwriter you know what i talk about is is i think there's there's a because i'm I, I was at fault at this too you know there's this misconception that you get to be okay so once you reach this level of being an amazing writer right you you work on your craft you hone your craft this is what you need to do you do no doubt you need to be honing your craft nonstop. But then you think to yourself, you're like, okay, I've honed my craft. I'm going to get to the level where I'm I'm writing incredible hit songs, and then, boom, I'm going to have a hit song. Unfortunately, that's not it. That's just the beginning. It's like once you get to the level where you're, you're writing incredible songs every session, all right, a good song comes out of every session that you get in. That's just the beginning. That's the base. That's the base. It's like then the nuances, what what you were talking about, start. Then it's the relationships. It's your camp. It's the people you go out and meet. It's being present to win. It's all that stuff that is the X factor in the fact that you've built your talent, you can get into a room, you can kick ass every almost every time, right? That's the beginning. The next level of that is building your relationships. It's all the nuance. It's it's being, you know, just a good person and a good hang and expanding your, you know, your your network of people that of friends, really, of friends. Yeah. You know, making friends in town and just being everywhere all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you've rarely heard any success stories where people are like, yeah, I created that song with that one asshole. <laughs> you, you have usually yeah. created something with somebody that you've poured your blood, sweat, and tears in, and you've been working at it, working at it, and you created this kind of friendship. And you do. You, 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 you're bloodline now. You're bloodline now. Yep. I'm so glad you said that, man. That was really beautifully said. And and I think a lot of our our listeners need to hear that. I mean, you writing a great song is just one part of it. Yeah. And then when you get great, then there's the next step. Then there's the next step after that. Yep. One thing I want to tap into real quick, and then, um, I mean, yeah, we're doing great on time. But uh, one thing I want to tap into, I, I'm a little sick and tired of hearing this, and I I want to get your opinion on it. Yeah. I'm a little sick and tired of hearing from people who I love and people who I think have deals and people who uh, are doing really great work, but they they keep saying the word political. Well, it's all political. Well, it's all political. Well, everything that we've just explained has nothing to do with politics. Yeah. Zero. It just has to involve of doing something you love with people you love working with. Right. I don't... There's politics in anything. All, yeah. But that is a cop out. I think I think po- there's politics in any business you want to do. But if, if if you love doing what you're doing, and you're starting to rise a little bit, like, well, then there's always going to be that person on, on this side that says, "Ah, eh, it's politics." No, I don't think so. 
I don't think so. Are you doing great work? Are you working hard for it? Are you persevering? And do you believe in yourself? I think those are the things that get you up. I don't. Th- I think the first person that says, well, it's politics and they don't really do this. I'm so tired of hearing that. Have you heard this? Oh, uh, all the time. Yeah. I do not believe in that. Yeah, yeah. And even coming into a room with that mindset, mm-hmm. politics are adversarial at nature. It's one side versus the other. Yes. It's trying to gain votes. It's trying to win popular opinion, right? To even have that mindset in a creative environment, you're fucked already because you're coming. If you're walking into a room, with you went that, from like, a ten to yeah. a six. Yeah, like if I didn't know you guys and I walked in here, like, oh man, this whole game is political. Like I gotta, I gotta politic, Mike and Steve. How am I gonna come off? I'm gonna come off pandering. Right. I'm gonna come off with talking points, and you guys are gonna feel that. And maybe you're still gonna like me at the end of the day. Maybe you're like, oh, he was cool, but there's something's off. What was off? Your fucking mindset of politics. Politics is my, the ex- my opinion. No, hundred percent agree. I think politics is the excuse of the unimaginative and the people that don't believe in themselves. One hundred. Where they really just want to. If you really believe in yourself and you really do the work, you could probably make it happen. Yeah, but dude, you're totally right, man. There's there's politics in everything, right? We we, we talk about that. We know. Yeah. Like we were just talking about how right now it's like you know. All the writer, uh, you know, the artists need to be writers on their songs, right? Right. Okay. So politics, right? The inner circle. So if you're not yeah. writing with that artist, like, how are you going to get the songs that are on the radio, right? But if you focus on that shit, and if that's what you're you're constantly like complaining about or like making excuses, like that's why I'm not because it's it's that, then you're too focused on the negative, where. Literally, I mean, we talk about we talk about the idea of bombing your boundaries. That's mm-hmm. the whole point. Well, if if you're creating boundaries for yourself and your career, yeah, then you're doomed from the start. I mean, we, <laughs> you know, it's like we got to talk about the the idea that you know we're we need as creators we we cannot worry about that. We got to cre- we got to create. We have no matter what we have to be. We have to be artists in our own right. We have to create. We have to create with people that we love, that we believe in, that have the same visions and passions and drive as us. Um, and there's nothing that you know. We can't make excuses. You know, I think, and I think that, like what Steve was saying, I, I, what you're saying, I think the politics thing is is an excuse. You know, it, it's like an excuse as to why why I don't have a hit song right now or why I, you know, why I'm not at this level right now or, or we can complain about that stuff, but fuck that. There's no reason to complain about it. You know, everyone's moving at their own pace and doing their thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Unless you're working in, uh, inside the government right now, when you mention the word politics, mm. you are a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it just, it ain't going to go your way. Yeah. So don't show up to a room like that. All right, my friend, we have discovered so much and we are so excited that you came back. We are at that point. Um, and you know what? I, I, I do want to ask this before we leave. Uh, I know we've asked you before, but you are such a, a, a big advocate of this company and stuff. And, I want to ask you one more time, and and what has changed in your world since COVID and everything? But what does bomb your boundaries? What does it mean to you, bro? Like, what does it mean to you now? Yeah, currently, what's changed currently. since oh, the last what time you changed? It? Yeah, currently, that's that, yeah, that's a great question, right? So, you know, 
bomb your boundaries. I think I think about the idea of like we talk about. I don't know. I look at boundaries as limitations, um, and you know, we can wake up every day during this time specifically and talk about how many limitations we have. Right? Totally. We can't get in the room, or we can't like take. And I'm just speaking from my, my own day to day career wise, what what's normal and what's not normal right now. So, you know, we can't take meetings. We can't go out and, and do these, you know, events that we go out and, and hang with people and talk. So but the thing the thing about it is that, you know, if if you have a goal, like it's just like we were talking about with the politics thing. It, if you have a goal, if you have a dream, there the limitations you can't look at them you can't focus on that you have to in my mind bombing your boundaries is just envisioning where you want to be envisioning what it feels like envisioning yourself there already and every day living that way yeah just not focusing on 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 the limitations you know it's 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 easy to do that right now it's easy to make you know excuses because right. i think every person that has been i mean every person in the world i think especially in america we've 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 there's limitations for us right now right but we're not focusing on what are you doing outside of that are you working on yourself are you reading books are you trying to get better are you working out are you what are you doing are you practicing on your music more are you writing more what are you doing in this time if you're fo- like you just said mike if you're focusing on your limitations well then you ain't going to do shit how about focus on the things that you can do dude 100% what if you what if you literally took out a piece of paper right now and on the left side of the paper you know you drew one of those t's that we've all drawn before and on the left side of the t you wrote at the top of it what's holding me back question mark and you just went down that left side and wrote everything that's holding you back maybe it's uh i don't have enough time for myself and then on the right side you're going to write everything that annihilates that fucking bullshit excuse of what's holding you back so Maybe on the left side you have, I don't have enough time for myself. And the right side is wake up earlier. Stop being lazy. Stop checking your phone. Every time you check your phone, uh, read a sentence in a book. I don't give a fuck. It's something that is more positive than what you would have done right there, right? Like, I think you can make it tangible and practical like that. Oh, there's absolutely. Guys, I mean, this kind of brings it back full circle right now. Like, for me, actually, now that you guys mentioned, I mean, bombing my boundaries is diving back into production. Ah, fuck yeah. Like, I mean, literally, I mean, it just hit me right in the face right now. It's literally the idea of something that I've been putting off. I've been scared to do, right? Something that I've I've always made the excuses like, I don't have any time for this. How am I going to do this? Something I've always wanted to do. I've wanted to produce artists for a long time now. I've wanted to get back into like production work and and being able to produce songs and artists for a long time and I've been putting it off like how the hell am I going to have time for that um oh man you know the past 5 years so many things have gone on right now that it would take me so long to catch up to be able to do that it's not even worth the time but I don't know what it was but during this time during you know this quarantine time it's like fuck it I can get into it. 
I can do it. I can, I don't know why, but it was like, let's, let's do it. Let's forget every, you know, excuse that I've ever made. And it's time to make a change and it's time to go for that part of my personal dream. Amen, brother. And we I were also that, talking dude. to, I and, and I, <laughs> I love that too, but we were also talking to the busiest man in show business, and he's telling you right now, I always call you the busiest man in show business because <laughs> I can't get through a fucking right with you without having your phone blow up seven times because I know you're dealing with 44 different things. But you're telling us there's one thing you that, that you wanted to do and it was something that you can do, and that's improve on that stuff. Hey, dude, you taught me when I first got Pro Tools, you taught me things that I had no idea. You're there. I'm so proud of you and excited that you're getting back into that. Man, that's awesome. That is great. But you're right, dude. That's, I mean, it's it's so funny that, like, you know, I guess that's the practical sense of bomb your boundaries. And it's yes. like not even yes. thinking about it, but that's that's it for that's me right doing. now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that's is it. what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Y'all, that was a great show. That was fucking that was a awesome. great show. Therapeutic. Mike, dude. I, Mike, I have so much respect for you, dude. You're oh, just a fucking it. awesome dude, dude, man. You, you dude, guys, you're, man. you're poised, professional, respectful, disciplined, creative. Like, all the fucking things I admire in a person, like, right there, dude. It's, it's just... I, just, looks I want hella, you to know that, dude. I want right you to back know at that. you, man. Seriously. And he looks hella that. fine in, in a vibe hoodie and a bomb snapback. Oh, yeah. Come on. Dude, he wardrobe does. of choice, boys. I love yes. it. If any of you out there ever find yourself face to face with Mike August, you're a lucky motherfucker and you need to know it right now. Yeah, he is the uh, criminal situation of sexual prowess. So <laughs> That too, that too. Y'all, so all right, that'll do it for tonight. If you like what you heard, if something moved you, if you learned something valuable from this episode, please rate and review us. Your love means the world to us. It helps keep us doing what we're doing, and we do this for the YOU. If you're interested in advertising in the show, please contact Bombers and Sleeves at gmail.com. Get yourself up on all of our apparel and future product lines and blog by visiting bombersandsleeves.com. We are always uh, most effective on Instagram, so if you're not following us yet, please do at bombcastofficial and bombersandsleeves. We also want to thank our very special guest one more time, Mr. Mike August. It's such a pleasure to have you, brother. Thank you guys thank you so, so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you, bro. Also, find the latest and greatest of what's going down with Demolition Music Publishing. Follow them on Instagram at Demolition Music Publishing. And if you want to reach out to our special guest, uh, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please contact him. Follow him at Instagram, Michael August Music. Y'all, till next time, bomb your boundaries, baby. Peace. Peace.